Marco, you there? I am here, buddy. How are you? Perfect. I'm well. Well, cool. Can you hear me okay? I can. It sounds great, actually. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for being here. Hey, listen, guys. Um, so for the listeners out there, obviously, uh, some pretty crazy times that are going on. Um, appreciate you guys always tuning in. And as always, I'm going to continue to pump out the content weekly. Friday mornings at 5 a.m. is when these podcasts drop. So any new listeners are wondering when the next one's coming, always know that I'll have something coming for you on Friday mornings. Um, again, this is Rick Smith with the Deep Health Podcast. So, you know, we cover a lot of different things here on Deep Health. Um, and today our focus is going to be on uh, small business owners currently and making sure that we're supporting locals. So um, just want to thank Mark for coming on board here. Uh, he owns Alecos in South Lyon, and uh, we're going to be touching on his story, background, on our relationship, and how we even connected. And I uh, just want to thank you for taking time out of your day. Obviously, you just came back from the restaurant right now uh, and carving out some time to be with us here tonight. So thanks for being on the podcast, buddy. Mark, are you still there? There we go. There we go. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, good. All right. So, hey, listen, I want to just kind of take these guys back in time, um, you know, for us and, uh, you know, our relationship and how that all started. Yeah. So, I know for myself, you know, obviously got into triathlon for a mutual friend and uh, our buddy's mutual friend is Doug Harriman. And um, I think that was like 2007. Yeah. Long time ago, bro. Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit like for yourself, what was the transition for you or what was going on in your life that brought you into triathlon? Wow. I've been doing triathlon since I think 97. So... For almost over 25 years basically and um just been enjoying the sport back in the day it was old school triathlon you know back then it was just uh you found races in magazines and you would just go to a different race nowadays you know triathlons are everywhere but one of the cool things that i thought was kind of cool that evolved in my sport with triathlon was turning it into more of like a project to give back because triathlon obviously is, as you know can be extremely selfish so uh, we, we wanted to come up with a way to kind of give back and I think that's when you kind of came on the board um, and first uh, when I met you with Doug at that one triathlon we kind of transitioned into how can we do something with the sport because it is such a selfish sport you know where we're doing so much for ourselves whether we're swimming biking running or training or hitting the gym what can we do to give back as well and so Doug and I started coming up with some ideas and uh, decided to uh, do projects with the triathlon team that we could, you know, use our talents and give back in the communities, whether we're helping out in schoolyards or we're helping out with children of, you know, homeless areas and all that good stuff. So it was a quite an opportunity to give back in the day. That's cool. Yeah, that you totally brought me back because uh, now we're talking about um, TIA triathlon, uh, triathletes in action, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yep, that first launch, I believe, right around the time you came on board in the sport. Um, so right around 2007, end of 2007, beginning of 2008, you know, we uh, wanted to do something where we could get a group of people who were athletes, who were committed, who were driven, 
you know, and do some projects together. And training with you, you know, was instrumental back then, man, because uh, you had such a fire for the sport at the time. And uh, it was just so awesome to like do the sport with you, train with you, and then do some cool volunteer projects together as a result. For sure. Yeah, I remember uh, when Dougie actually said, hey, you know, if you really want to get into the triathlon sport, you got to reach out to my crazy friend, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, the rest is history. But yeah, man, like that filled a void for me, you know, getting out of playing hockey and whatnot. Um, You know, I was looking to get more competitive and uh, at the time uh, more competitive like, yeah, man. you are so competitive bro you just a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so yeah man I mean we spent I don't know a lot of hours out there at Island Lake uh, you know Kensington riding bikes running swimming I mean you were actually you know were a cornerstone in uh, helping me out a lot at the beginning there Man, you're you're good. You're good to train with because you were adaptable, man. I can just tell you, Rick, we're gonna go do a 10 mile run. You're like, okay, I'm in. We're gonna go swim a mile. I'm in. We're gonna go bike 50 miles. You're in. So uh, you, you put a lot of time and effort into it. It was awesome being with you, bro. Yeah, likewise. Well, and then my competitive side, right? So just for the <laughs> listeners to have an idea, like the amount of training that Mark was putting in. I was always trying to like stick with him based on the volume he was putting out. And so we would go and we'd put in, you know, a good ride, a good run and uh, maybe a light swim or something afterwards. And then all of a sudden I'm heading into work or whatever midday. And I see this guy on the side of Grand River running, just sweating bullets. And I'm like, this guy's really tan. And I look and it's, it's Mark. He's running down Grand River. It's like, yeah, I, I was going to meet my mom for breakfast. <laughs> it was my second workout. I didn't want to tell you because I knew you wanted to do the workout with me. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> oh, man, I have that addictive personality. Classic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have so many stories we could share. But, uh, yeah, I think, was there not an outreach that you guys did? That was actually one of the trips I didn't make, but you guys went to St. Croix. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of like the catalyst that started everything for us. Um, we, we went out to St. Croix and there was a group of triathletes that came with us, all very competitive, high, you know, type A personalities. And we wanted to give back and partner with the Boys and Girls Club over there. In addition to racing Ironman St. Croix, which is one of the hardest races, you know, on the um, circuit. And so we were done with the race. It was really cool though, man, because you have all these athletes who are so self-consumed. You know, and then you see us all just giving back to this community of boys and girls. We had an amazing event that we put on for the kids. Took them down to the park in the uh, middle of St. Croix. You know, we we used our talents, what we're good at, you know, obviously fitness. And we were playing games with those guys. We were doing all kinds of activities fitness-wise with these guys. And just kind of loving on them, you know, and and breathing life into these kids that were really from a uh, really poor area of St. Croix and uh, just needed that extra love, you know, and and it was cool that all of us athletes down there at the time could do that in that moment. It was really life-changing, man, actually. It was incredible. That's awesome. I was bummed that uh, I wasn't able to make it to that one, but I remember now that you're bringing that up was the the Boys and Girls Club um, over in Bent Harbor. Yeah. And we did, uh, what was that? What's that one? Oh, Steelhead. Steelhead, yep. Yep. So that was um, that was my first eye opener to that when we did uh, 
like the Olympic day or whatever for those guys over there. And that was amazing to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, but that's one cool, thing I've, yeah. I've, I've just always admired, like, uh, you know, from you to Billy Downs to others that were associated with, um, team Mongo and then TIA, you know, just seeing out yeah. the community come together and do things together for, for the greater good. It's, it's, uh, it, it was an eye opener for me cause I haven't, hadn't been around things like that before. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's incredible, man. It's, you know, I, I, you, you know, my heart, you know, the, the more I give, you know, and help others and do other things for other people, the more blessings come upon me, you know, without even expecting it. So for me, it's a no burner. Um, you know, I was kind of instilled at a young age from my parents, I think, to just kind of give back to people that don't have, you know, I was, you know, growing up, uh, it was very normal for me to be around like homeless people. It was very normal for me to be around people in hospitals and nursing homes and all that. And it was, so that was like my norm growing up. And it was always a part of me. And I just wanted to figure out how can I do something like that as I continue aging, you know, and this whole triathlon sport was was just a huge part of it and i was just torn between you know doing triathlon and not really doing anything for anybody else you know because it's such a self-consuming sport and to find an opportunity to give back through that sport changed my vision and lookout on triathlete you know i'm doing triathlon it's sure. just amazing so it's cool that's really cool so through through that whole time period of triathlon how many races do you think you did oh my gosh too many man i would be a really rich man right now if i saved all my money and did all <laughs> races. um i don't know i'm up to like 12 full ironmans and probably like 50 half ironmans lots of marathons yeah. in between that and all kinds of other little running races and all that stuff so a lot all around the world too you know from africa yeah. to new zealand to canada so it's been a, a good ride. It's been fun. A lot of cool memories too from it. For sure. So, you know, obviously deep health here, right? And yeah. we always talk about nutrition and fitness, but what was like the catalyst to, to get you into that sport? Oh, wow. We're going there. We're even we? running. <laughs> yeah, we are. All right. <laughs> well, um, I tell you what. All right. So years ago, I when I was first married, I was... Um, I own a restaurant, as you know. I was eating at the restaurant a lot because I was a single guy. And then I got married. And then my wife at the time was just making me all this home cooking, right? And so I was double dipping whether I was eating at home or whether I was. But 65 pounds later, after being 145 pounds my whole life, I was huge. And I wasn't doing any kind of activities at all. And I'm like, I got to I got to change the way I'm doing life because I was just getting huge. Like I would go home from work after eating a pizza at work, you know, and a bag of bread and maybe some ribs, you know, and I'd come home from work and then I'd go home and have a home cooked meal because I felt guilty, you know, because she was making me this food. And I just ballooned up, man. And I just decided I got to do something to change. And again, I'm I'm like you, bro. I'm all or nothing a lot of times. And so sure. I'm like, I'm going to do a marathon, you know? And I'm like, everyone was laughing at me. Like, they're like, you're 207 pounds. How can you even think about doing a marathon? And I'm not that tall. So they're like, how can you even think about doing a marathon? I'm like, I'm going to do it. And so I got on my, at the time, now I'm going back, bro, to like 95. And I, yeah. I remember this vividly, these 
blue spandex shorts, okay? Because <laughs> they're the only thing that could fit me that I wouldn't shake I was running. <laughs> and I couldn't even wear a shirt because it was I was just I was so huge, right? <laughs> so I had on this extra, extra large tank top that I was wearing, trying to cover up all my fat. And I was running down Dixborough Road and um, my mother-in-law at the time saw me and she was driving her car down the road and she's like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for this man that was running. Well, she found out later it was me, right? Because I just looked like a hot mess running down the road. Oh, man. And, um, but it prompted me, man, I, I did that marathon and it was really cool because my dad at the time, uh, he was passing away of cancer shortly thereafter that and he got to see me actually finish this marathon. And so that was pretty cool for uh, me to have him witness that. And I trained for the marathon in like three months, lost a bunch of weight. I went in slim fast at the time <laughs> and I lost like 50 pounds, I think it was. And then just started running every day. And uh, it kind of like just jump started me into like wanting more and being better, you know? So mm -hmm. the following year, I said, I'm going to do another marathon, but I'm going to actually like do a marathon, like run a marathon, not just finish a marathon. I want to race a marathon. And so I started training and I believe, you know, if you want to be good, hang out with good people, you know, whether it's in sports sure. or whether it's in business, you know, if you want to be good, you know, follow the people that are doing it right. So this, this uh, short, fat Greek guy at the time goes to U of M campus and starts training on Tuesday nights with the uh, U of M track team. <laughs> so I had a friend who was uh, connected as a coach on the team and they invited me to come out with them. Now, keep in mind, I'm I'm definitely not track material at the time, right? But these guys shaped me and they molded me and they breathed life into me on that track. And um, I became a really fast runner as a result and went back to run the Detroit Marathon and actually won an award for having the most improved time. It's called the Lad Newman Award at the time, which qualified me to go to Boston. And so, that's so cool. yeah, from that point, you know, I'm now in my head, like, you know, I was getting self-confidence back. I was starting to actually think like, you know, you want to be an athlete, you know, train with athletes. So I was hanging out with these guys. I was learning from them. I went to Boston. I had a great race. And then again, I just, what's next after Boston now? And I'm like, I want to do an Ironman. No idea how to, you know, even train for that. But I thought, you know, I, I was becoming very confident in fitness at the point that I was really disciplined, whether I was the food I was intaking or the training I was doing. And so I just decided it's time to go to uh, train for an Ironman. And so my got a bike. I got a Cannondale bike from uh, yeah, buddy, <laughs> good old fashioned Cannondale bike, yeah. aluminum frame. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> this is going back now, even in the day when we raced in Speedos, because there wasn't that many Ironmans at the time. And yeah. um, I was I was pretty fit at the time and just started training for this uh, Great Floridian Triathlon. It was, you know, obviously Ironman distance, 2.4 miles, 112 bike ride, and then a marathon. And uh, completed it. And that, again, just the more that you do, it just, like, builds your confidence even more that I could continue on. And then from there, it was just... You know, a long journey of 25 years of racing, basically. Sure. That's an amazing story. I love that. You know, I guess, like, obviously, I have some certain experiences. And, you know, you think about those training days and some of the toughest races you've had and whatnot. And, like, I, I know, like, I, some things that have happened for me that I've kind of carried on from that sport. Mm -hmm. What are some, like, aha moments or... Um, 
things that you've been able to take from that sport into your day-to-day now or even just in business or just life in general? Mm, okay, so um, Ironman is like a job, you know, it's like a full-time job and you have to be organized, you have to be disciplined, you know, if you want to do it right, you know, you can finish anything, but if you want to finish it with like a little bit of excellence there, you know, you have to be disciplined and organized. And so I think it's taught me, you know, to be disciplined and organized in my own personal life as well. You know, whether it's with uh, how I'm running the company, you know, how I'm, how I'm as a human, you know, how I live my life, how, you know, um, I just believe that Ironman taught me a lot of organizational skills that I use today. That's awesome. That's good stuff. So speaking on that with your business with the Lecos, yeah. how, how did that, you know, I know you were talking about double dipping and eating breadsticks <laughs> and whatnot before you got into triathlon and everything. Yeah. And by the way, if you have not had these breadsticks, uh, you will get addicted to them. They're <laughs> so good. We'll talk a little bit about we'll talk a little bit about the food in a little bit. But how did Alecos all come about? So Alecos is named after my dad. Okay, his name is Aleko, and he passed away of uh, colon cancer um, almost, geez, twenty five years now ago. Um, so when I first was growing up, uh, living in Dearborn, Michigan, we worked for my uncle Gus. Okay. And Gus is the one who kind of taught me the restaurant world. And I decided that, you know, it's time for me to kind of open up my own restaurant. I had been working for my uncle now for a period of time. And so I decided that it's time to uh, branch out. And so got his permission to open up a restaurant, got his permission to use his name and opened up a well, Gus's at the time. And then about a year after Gus's was open, my dad was diagnosed with colon cancer and it spread to his liver and it just went quickly so it was pretty crazy um, back then but we're a young company and I just didn't feel right about calling the restaurant Gus's anymore you know because my dad was such a part of like a lot of it and I I went to my uncle and I'm like would you be okay if I changed the name you know we were on our own we weren't like tied to them it wasn't a franchise or anything like that we were just using his name Sure. And he's like, I would be, you know, I, I think it'd be great if you call it Alecos. You know, it was his first cousin. And so we got the permission to call it Alecos. And then from there, Alecos was born. And so you probably, so if memory stands correct, I, um, sometimes my memory is like an elephant, but I get parts of the story uh, yeah, mixed okay. up. But you used to drive in a van, like you guys would hop in a van together down to Dearborn. Oh my correct? gosh, you are like an elephant, bro. Yes. So... <laughs> So when we were learning the business, I was in high school. I took co-op basically. So I only went to school for two and a half hours a day. And then the other uh, half a day, I would drive with my two brothers who are also on co-op at the time. Um, My uncle got us this huge white cargo van. That was our big company car at the time, right? No seats in it except for the two front seats. Well, I'm the baby of the family and my brother, put a lawn chair in there for me so that was like my seat that I sat in the back of this cargo van right and we came from Dearborn all the way to Howell so it was about a 55 minute drive but the beginning part of the drive it's on telegraph right and so if you're driving on telegraph you either catch the green lights or you catch the red lights okay and if you catch the green lights you're golden right it's going to be well for some reason my brothers always caught the yellow light and they slammed on the brakes all the time in this company car <laughs> and this is before seatbelts or anything man 
And so I would just go tumbling. So I started resenting the fact that, you know, I'm working for my uncle and I'm sitting in this damn white van by the lawn chair, getting bruised <laughs> up before I even get to work, right? And and then when we'd leave work like eight hours later, I would get bruised up again coming home. And they thought it was funny as hell. But uh, it definitely wasn't funny <laughs> to me. And that was a defining moment in my life because I swore that I would never live far from where I work um, because I hated that drive so much. And to this day, I live about five minutes from my restaurant. So I, I stuck to my word. That's hilarious. <clears throat> yeah. And so, uh, you know, about um, the business itself, calling it Aleppo's, let's just go back for a second. Like, tell me a little bit about your dad and, and what he did and maybe some things that you learned from him and what he was doing to provide for yeah. your family. My dad was a really hard worker. He worked for Wonder Bread. He was, first of all, a cook in the army when he was growing up. He had an education that lasted till eighth grade. And then he was uh, kind of brought to work in his family's restaurant. And back at the time, it was called Carson's London Burner Highway in Detroit. Uh, they didn't, you know, obviously have enough money. It's the true definition of a mom and pop shop, right? And so my dad kind of just had enough, basically, I think after a while of just surviving. And he wanted to have like a better life, basically. And so he thought at the time he was going to work for a company, right? Because they weren't doing it in the small business. So my dad ended up working for Wonder Bread driver, uh, take bread to the party stores, you know, to the grocery stores. And it was, it was kind of cool because he was such hard work to appreciate at the time, you know, but looking back now uh, and seeing how hard of a sacrifice he made for us. I mean, he would get up at like four o'clock in the morning to go downtown Detroit and uh, get his route, get his truck, and then go on this route for like 12 hours and then come home, have dinner, go to bed and do it. And it is amazing, bro, because it's like, it, it's just, you don't realize what a sacrifice he was making because he didn't want to have just to get by, you know, through the family business restaurant back in the day. And right. to have a paycheck, to have insurance, to take his family on a two week vacation or a one week vacation at the time. Um, so he was, uh, my dad was super resourceful. He grew up with very little, you know, but man, you would think that guy had a, a ton of stuff because he had connections. Everybody loved him. Like he, he knew how to work crowds and he knew how to work people and how to like, just like love on them and be relational with them. And as a result, they would like give him all kinds of crazy things. So he was pretty, uh, pretty fortunate as far as uh, the way he was brought up because he was a street guy. You know, my dad didn't have an education. He wasn't, you know, smart as in the word of like having a great job or anything like that. But he was resourceful. And I think uh, that's one of the cool traits that I take from him as well. That's awesome. Um, how long, how long did he have that job Wonder for? Bread? Yeah, he worked there yeah. for, I think, 35 years. Yeah, 35 wow. years. And his, his goal, crazy. you know, was always to have a restaurant. You know, it was what he grew up in and he wanted to have his own restaurant. But, you know, you get trapped in working for a company, right? And one day it turns to two, two turns to, yep. you know, years and then years. And before you know it, you have 20, 30, 40, you know, 35 years. In. And so... Um, I think one of his big regrets was he never did have a restaurant, you know? And so when 
my brothers and I were working for my uncle and we decided that it's time to open up our restaurants. I think it was really cool for him to see all three of his kids have a restaurant at the time, you know, because it was one of his goals. So, so Sam and Al were with you. We were all together. Yeah. We were all together in the beginning. So we had one in Hamburg, Michigan, one in Northville, and then of course mine in South Lyon, Michigan, but we didn't really run them together you know so basically all of our names were on the books and everything but Al was running Al's I was running mine and Sam was running his and then my dad would just kind of float back and forth um to see us at the restaurants you know at the time he was he just finished retiring sure. and so all of our restaurants were up and running at the time so it was kind of cool so I have I have a funny here for you I actually had uh, posted online about um both on Instagram and Facebook, uh, you know, that I, you were going to be on my podcast. And there was someone who reached out to me privately on Instagram to say, if I were in the apocalypse, all I would need is Aleko's breadsticks and cooking <laughs> sauce. I love it. I love it. That is awesome. And that's not a paid advertisement, right? <laughs> no, right? That is awesome. That is uh, awesome. So with that to be said, you know, we'll transition into Aleko's, uh, yeah. you know, today, um, you know, obviously your business is thriving, um, you know, just for the audience here listening, uh, how long you've been in business now, Mark? This June will be my 27th year in business and I just signed a five-year lease that will take me to 32 years. Yeah. Wow. It is That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> long time. Been doing it the right way, you know, for that type yeah. of longevity. Um, you know, with the business itself and, and whatnot, like now you're at a point where, I mean, what was it last summer uh, or even the year before? I don't know the timeline. You'll be able to tell us better than I would, but you're working with the Tigers, the Twins, the Ottawa Senators, the Maple Yeah, now. yeah, it's been crazy. So tell us a little bit how that all came um, about. So a good friend of mine, she is a dietitian for the New York Mets, uh, Maureen Stockline. She put my name in the hat with the, uh, the Tigers. And I never heard anything from them, but a couple of years ago, I got a call from the Minnesota Twins. And I'm like, why in the heck are the Minnesota Twins calling me? And sure enough, they wanted me to cater for them. I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool. And so that kind of jump started from the Minnesota Twins to the Texas Rangers, to the Seattle Mariners, to the Tigers um, wanting us to do some of their meals last year for the team. And so we were just down there more and more and making more of a presence, whether it was in the clubhouse with the Tigers or in the opposing clubhouse um, with the away teams. And so we just started connecting with them. And then this past year, it turned into um, Toronto Maple Leafs calling us just randomly out of the blue, but they got our name from the Tigers. And then that just turned into, they loved what we did for them. So they told Ottawa about us as well. And so it's been a pretty crazy ride as far as the professional teams go. Yeah, it's been That's pretty amazing. Cool. That's crazy how, how this little restaurant like in South Line feeding these professional athletes. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who would have thunk it? <laughs> but it's been real good. It's been cool for yes. our, you know, it, we don't advertise at all. I, you'll never see me do an advertisement. It's all basically word of mouth. And so it's been cool that we have had the clients that, you know, whether they're the professional teams or they were Delta Airlines or Ford Motor Company or Chrysler or a lot of major companies or schools or churches, it's all word of mouth 
basically. They tried the breadsticks and they're hooked, bro. That's it. They're done. Exactly. <laughs> or the ribs. I mean, what? You avoided the, number yes, one ribs? Yeah. But who's counting, right? you know? Number one, almost 20 years in a row. In all seriousness, listeners, I mean, these things are like, they fall off the bone. They're, they're really good. I've had the opportunity to actually go back there and uh, be a chef for the night. Um, <laughs> See how everything's made, doing pizzas and right. doing the ribs and doing yeah. the whole. Remember that? Yeah. I still haven't been paid from it. Yeah, because yeah. you ate me out of house and home that day, bro. Yeah, this is true. This is true. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, I've definitely had my fair share of Alecos. No, but one of one of the cool things that I, you know, I'm proud of at Alecos is the fact that, you know, years ago. I was listening to a sermon um, at church and it was about using your restaurant as a mission field, basically, you know, and I wanted, I was always, like I told you earlier, you know, grew up with going to homeless shelters, grew up, you know, in hospitals or nursing homes and, and feeding patients or going to soup kitchens. And when I heard this talk about using your restaurant uh, for a greater purpose or using your business, your platform, for me, it was my restaurant um, for a greater purpose. I was just... Yeah. I was torn with that because I didn't understand what it meant at the time. Okay. Cause I just thought at the time it was like, I have this restaurant, we have these customers, right? We want to get more customers. We want to make more money, but it wasn't really healthy, you know? And it, I didn't understand right, right. right when I opened, it took me like an aha moment to happen. Like I do have a, you know, a mission field here. I have so many people that are coming into Olecos that I could love on other than them just being someone coming in for a pizza or a slab of ribs or a bag of bread, right? They're a human, you know, they're sure. human and they have a story. And I think one of the cool things that started the whole give back mentality that I have at the restaurant was when my dad was dying of colon cancer, I had the opportunity to be with the hospital the nurses, you know, sleep there uh, at night with my dad every night and and give back in a way that I didn't know what was going to happen. And so one of the cool things when these customers started coming into Alecos, we had this big campaign at the time and it was called Cancer Screening Saves Lives. And at the time, I had a staff of, I think, 20 of us. We all shaved our heads. We all wore these shirts that spoke cancer screening saves lives. And I put up a prayer board on my counter. If you know someone who has cancer or if you have cancer, you know, or if you've been touched by cancer, write your name, write their name here on this board, right? So now these people that were yeah. coming into Alecos for their food, we're now coming into Alecos as a human with a story. And they would share their story. I would share my story. We would cry together. We, I mean, this one board turned into, I think we had 75 boards in our restaurant at the time. And wow. so they they hung from the, the ceiling in my, you know, down. And all when you come into the restaurant, you would just see these names of people, right? Opportunities to kind of like think about those people, pray for those people, pray for their families. And, and really that was my moment where I like I could use Alecos as my mission field um, and again just like with triathlon you know going from the marathon to the Ironman wanting to do something bigger and better right 
I wanted to do something yeah. bigger and better because I was like so full of how that was panning out and it was so good and it was making a difference with people in the community and so I, I started just being more interested in the people that were coming in instead of like worrying about their food too much you know sometimes sometimes I was I would talk to them so much and hear their story that we would just share so much and then their food would be in the back counter just waiting for them to be picked up you know maybe 30 40 minutes but we had these great conversations and it was awesome and it was just a jump start to keep doing more through that business you know and as a result we started Aleko's Helping Hands right after that campaign and everybody just jumped on board they wanted to be a volunteer in these projects that we did through the restaurant you know we we gave food to people in the community we gave christmas to families in the community um, we helped people in homeless shelters uh, it was just all kinds of amazing stories that have happened as a result of Alecos. when i had that shift and said i want to use this restaurant as a mission field instead of as a restaurant to gain money Well, you know what, like, and it's, it's awesome transition too into this because there was an eye opener for me when you were doing the one, one of the years, I mean, you do them every year, yeah. but the coat drive. And so, you know, here we are, we got all these coats and then we load them up in the back of my vehicle. And then we're like, you said, okay, we're not going to downtown Detroit. We're just going to start walking around and handing out coats. I'm like, what? <laughs> we're going Getting to the white boy out of his comfort zone a little bit. <laughs> That's right. And it was good for me, though. It was eye opening. Like I once we started, you know, for the first probably 10, 15 minutes, like I started to get comfortable. I'm like, man, I'm just feeding off this energy right now, being able to give to people. Right. And so what people don't understand is you get those jackets and you're walking downtown Detroit and it's I don't know what we're doing that October, November, you know, it's starting to get cold. And uh, here was the cool thing about that. If you remember, our two buddies that Charles? we met on one side of the building that yeah. were living underneath. Yes, yes Charles, Charles and Tony. And Tony. I, I think about them often. Me too. And so I actually still, I keep their pictures on my phone. Um, I think, I don't know, that might have been yeah. 15, 2015, yeah. somewhere in that time frame. But, you know, we were taking those jackets to them. But if you remember, we went down back in December because yes. I had Red Wings tickets. And so we went back, we found them, and then we took them to Five Guys to have a meal with them. I remember. <laughs> yeah. And had we not taken those jackets down there, we wouldn't have known some homeless people to take we, and get a yeah, hot burger became, at Five you know, Guys. Homeless you know? to friends to us at that point, you know. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good so stuff. cool. Another platform, too, was when we, uh, you know, you helped... Um, raise the funds uh, for what I needed actually to get over to Africa uh, back in 2000 I think that was 12 but uh, or 14 or somewhere in there but anyways yeah it's always been a great spot for people to connect and you know just sitting in there multiple nights to seeing how you run that place and just the energy that you get yeah. people walking through the doors because you know to, to start landing the plane on this a little bit I mean right now we're in a tough time tough situation for a lot of people um and you know that might be where they're lit up a bit they've got some good energy when they come in there they got some good food and uh 
you know, if you can just share with people right now, like obviously people are a little bit scared about going out. And one of the things I just wanted to talk about is hygiene. I know you guys are doing your your best um, and obviously at 100% for being able to give right. food still to people right now. And just share a little bit what's going on with your business. Yeah, and so, affecting you, you guys. know, um, I made the decision of, uh, about a week ago to only open from four o'clock to eight o'clock. All right. For me, Alecos has never been about want to make more money for me electives has always been about i want to change lives right um i didn't want to yeah. lay anybody off you know because i didn't know how this was all going to play out with covid19 i wanted to what i'm good at and what i'm good at and my talent my strength is is serving others and i thought like okay here we are in the darkest we have going on right and it's going to be challenging, you know, and, yeah. and I get stressed out too, you know, are we going to make it all that good stuff? But I trust God. I trust he's going to provide. He always has, you know, and I thought it was important mm-hmm. to say, okay, if I'm supposed to use my restaurant as my mission field, that means in the good times when we're making great money and in the bad times, right? And so I, I decided yeah. that we were going to stay open for four hours during this time frame each day as long as the governor would let us, but we're also going to serve as much as we can. And we're going to help those who need it the most. Okay. So we decided collectively as a team that if there was a school kid who was on the free lunch program, did a sandwich for lunch, we're going to give him a sandwich. We decided if elderly people can't get out, we're going to deliver to them and take them a meal, you know? And I decided that if, people are in trouble and in need and they can't afford to have Alecos, right? We're going to help them out in some way, shape or form. And so as a result, that's what sure. we've been doing, you know, and, and it's crazy, Rick, because we're only open four hours a day, right? Our mornings are dedicated to cleaning, yeah. sanitizing and prepping up the restaurant and uh, giving free, free meals away to, to the kids who need them and to the elderly people. And so it's cool to see that we're still doing what I am so happy about. You know, we're keeping the restaurant open. We're keeping jobs. We're actually hiring a couple more people during this this phase. Sure. And we're making a difference still in the community and surrounding communities by helping those who can't, can't afford or don't have right now, too. So it's been pretty cool to see that. And God is providing in ways that I've never even imagined in this time frame. Absolutely. He's amazing, man. Um, as far as, so just give the listeners, you know, for those that are um, maybe in our area too, uh, that want to come to Alecos for food, like how does that work yeah, so with we, your curbside right now? We've shifted a little bit because we do have seats in there and um, have dine-in, but obviously you can't have a dine-in right now. And so Alecos catering, carry-out, and curbside is available from four to eight every single evening. And then we focus on catering during the daytime and uh, in the evening. So that's going on all the time too, still. And so uh, give these guys an idea, like you're pretty broad based now with your menu with the other side to it. Let me tell you guys, like if you want comfort food, great place to go to, but he also has another side to his menu. Yeah, so I mean, obviously the staples are ribs, chicken, pizza, pasta, salads, breadsticks, you know, all those amazing comfort foods that everybody likes. Um, but working with the professional teams, working with the dietitians, the nutritionists, you know, it's changed a lot for us because it's challenged us. And 
and allowed us to be more creative, you know, whether we're bringing on fish dishes or different meat dishes and stuff. So we've also implemented a complete gourmet line that was geared towards our professional athletes. But now we have so many people ordering off of that for their catering party too. So it's been pretty cool. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I can tell you that uh, when we had Gabriel's baptism, right. you know, you that. did our catering and we had uh, the, the barbecue salmon with the steamed veggies and it was a great menu. Of course, we had the Angie's cheese dip, the sticks. <laughs> like whatever you and the cheese dip. Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> so good. Um, as we uh, close this thing out here, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but, you know, you've got... Uh, I, you know, with with your thought process and the encouragement that you give people and your energy and whatnot, what are some words of encouragement that you could give some people right now that are going through, that are going through this time with COVID nineteen and just this whole weird? You know, we talked about it the other day, um, uh, just not being able to connect with people. You know, like we normally do. What would be some words serve, of encouragement to serve, everybody right now? Serve, serve, serve. Do something to serve someone else. Because, yeah, we are all going through tough times. There's no doubt. Okay. But there's some people that are, are still dealing with it even a little bit more than we are probably. You know, I, I we complain about our, our lives right now and everything's different. But we're still, you know, in one of the best countries where we're doing things. I can open up the restaurant, right? We can have, we can go for walks. We can be with our family. We can... We can take something and drop it off on someone's porch who can't get something. You know, an elderly lady who can't leave her house. You know, these kids, it's March reading month, you know. Read a story on FaceTime to people, to kids, if you can't do it in person. You know, just because we have social distancing going on right now and isolation and all that stuff, we still can shine our light on people. You know, people are hurting right now more than ever their faith is being challenged more than ever you know their finances are being lost there's so much going on right and i would just encourage as much as you can with whatever my time and talent is a lecos right i can i can give through my restaurant a lot right but that might not be someone else's talent you know someone else's talent might be just to send a card to someone to make a card for someone who doesn't get a card you know do something for someone else because i tell you what when you do something for someone else it makes your perspective what you're going to not seem so uh, big either you, you think you're helping them but they're actually good, helping man. you really good you back. Yeah. 100 yep you always feel much Absolutely. better when you give that's for sure Cool, brother. Well, thanks again for taking time out here. Um, if you want to find Mark and Alecos, uh, and you're looking for some curbside or catering, downtown South Lyon, um, look them up on your uh, your maps on your phone. They'll take you right there, obviously. But um, appreciate your time on here. And uh, for all those out there listening, um, the best thing you can do for us is to download the podcast, share it with others. Um, if you got somebody in need, like Mark talked about, the kids or maybe the elderly, you've got you've got a platform to be able to use there with him. And uh, feel free to reach out to Mark. Um, I know he's at the restaurant. The guy works his butt off when he's there. So uh, again, appreciate your time. Thanks to all you listeners. Thanks, and uh, we'll catch you hey, on buddy. the next one. All right, brother. See you, Mark. Thanks, brother. Bye, bye.